You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check me out on uh, Packernet.com. Find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. Also, got a good friend on the podcast tonight for a little chalk talk, a little geeking out over X's and O's. Coach Hahn, how you doing tonight, man? I'm great, buddy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Guys, we're going to do things a little bit different. You know, we've done chalk talk in the past, and we've kind of highlighted one play, broke it down real deep. And there's been a lot of chatter on Twitter and, and really just uh, across Facebook and everything and, and all of our group chats. Everybody kind of talking about, you know, what what is actually going on with the Packers? You know, it's easy to, to look at the stats and go, man, they need to run the ball more or, or man, Aaron Rodgers needs to throw the ball deep down the field more. Um, all he's doing is dinking and dunking all these things. Right. Or, or you know, why is the defense so bad? The, the popular opinion, coach, is get Joe Barry out of town, right? <laughs> and what we're going to do is we're going to sh- kind of walk through the game. We've got five plays that we're going to highlight, and we're going to do it in rapid fashion. And uh, really, we want to kind of chronologically take you through the game and show you exactly these pivotal moments where things kind of went sour, right? And, uh, and and that way we all know what to look for during the next game. So with that being said, we're going to waste no time. We're going to jump right into it. I'm going to share my screen, Coach, and when you're ready to share yours, you let me know. Um, we're going to just go through these and tee off one at a time. So make sure you can see my screen, correct? I got you, buddy. All right, man. Awesome. Well, the first play, it actually came uh, uh, in the first quarter with five minutes and 19 seconds left. It was third and 14, right? And this was a huge, huge play. You know, the, here the defense, Joe Barry schemed it up. This is, you know, one of, one of Buffalo, if not their very first drive. You get them down here, you get them in a third and long, and you're thinking, okay, uh, if we, you know, if we keep it, you know, anywhere five yards or more going into fourth down, they probably won't go for it. They'll probably settle for a field goal. And that's a big, big win on the road, right? So here you've got the third and 14 set up, right? And as we come out, basically the thing that stands out to me the most here, Coach, as they come out in this uh, this shotgun set, they're kind of looks like their trips to the left, right? And um, got the, uh, the sidecar on the opposite side. 
And the Packers just come out really with like a four-man rush. They're showing a four-man rush. Got a little bit of mix in the uh, in the defensive backfield, which is really cool. Got a lot of people kind of playing the sticks, and they're just thinking, okay, let's 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 prevent this first down, right? So as we roll it here, and I'm going to hit play, and we're going to kind of let it loop a little bit. You can see Josh Allen immediately breaks contain. Now the thing that stands out to me right here, Coach. I don't think a contain was on. I mean, if you look at the way Gary rushes at the bottom of the screen, you look at the way Preston Smith rushes with a little spin move there. I don't think there was a contain on because I think they had people playing the sticks. Hey, look, keep him in front of us. If he does scramble, we're good. And then you can see it goes sour right there. And it's hideous. It is absolutely hideous. When you let that loop, and as Josh Allen, for those of you listening on the pod, as he closes in on the first down marker, you've basically got you know three, four defenders around him but there's one that really stands out. And to me, it's Darnell Savage. Savage literally gets to the sticks and for whatever reason, just hesitates. Like he's got him. If he, if he continues to go full speed here and I don't want to hear, well, you know, he was trying to play it safe. He didn't want him to get around him. There is literally green Bay Packers everywhere around him. Right. <laughs> and he just kind of comes in squares up and just does a half butt effort, throwing the shoulder to the outside. To me, coach, it just looked like, he did not want to make contact with Josh Allen. And like I said, you know, offline, it's easy for me to say that sitting on the couch, like, oh, come on, just hit the guy. He's six foot five, 240 pounds, whatever it is, right? But as we get this other angle here, coach, and you can kind of see how Savage comes in, it's just a big whiff. And, you know, PFF obviously has Savage's tackle grade in the 20s from this game. It just continues to get worse for Darnell Savage in the running game. And, you know, when you see that play, coach, as as a defensive coach, what do you do? What I mean, to me, you drew up a good play call. Obviously, everyone was covered. He chooses to scramble. There was no contain on. Everybody's playing the sticks. And then it comes down to one of your – well, supposedly one, one of your better players. You know, a first-round pick just picked up the fifth-year option. You got bodies everywhere. Just got to stop him right here. And for him to leak through, man, what did you see there, coach? What am I missing? Is, is that on Savage – or is that a bad play call by Barry? How do you see that play? No, uh, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. I think this is on Darnell Savage here. I mean, you, you've got a four-man rush, as you said earlier, with no contain. Um, but this is why you play zone behind that, right? You're just trying to play um, – hedge your bets a little bit. You don't have a contain on the rush because you have zone behind it. So you should have backfield eyes all around in your secondary. You should be thinking third and 14. We can try to get after it you know, make the field goal longer, whatever that would be. And if we don't, you know, we can at least rally and, and stop a tutty, stop a first down from happening uh, because everybody in the secondary has zone eyes. They, they should be looking back. This is why you don't play man in this situation with backs to the quarterback. So as you said, um, with the pursuit, you get four dudes around him to stop him five yards short. And um, he just he just becomes an athlete out there and, and makes your dudes miss. And that's you know, that's tough. You you schemed it up pretty decently. You just want to make sure. I mean, you don't want to scheme up 11-yard scrambles or anything like that, but you're <laughs> kind of playing it safe, right? You're just thinking, like, get out of this situation. They had a long drive. Let's get the field goal out of it. Um, you got dudes in the right spot to make the play, and uh, the play just didn't get made. Absolutely. And this is what we like to file under the, uh, the file name. Uh, was it uh, Joe's, right? What is it, Bros yeah. and Joe's? Yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy's, Jimmy's and Joe's. Jimmy's and Joe's. Jimmy's are better than their Joe's. You're going to have a lot of fun. <laughs> and that's exactly what that was right there. So that I, the reason I wanted to highlight that, not to start off negative, but that really set the tone for me for the, for the whole night. I mean, you can see, guys, it was zero to zero. That was a crucial third and 14. And all it takes is one play like that to get the ball rolling down downhill. And 
that that's essentially what happened to me. That's when things were like, oh gosh, here we go again with the tackle grades, with the you know just the ability to to play discipline, good sound football. I mean, that's to me that's not that can't be coached in practice, in my opinion. That can't be trained in practice. You you either want to tackle this guy or you don't, and I'm just not seeing it. So. Savage again continues to be my whipping boy. I hate it, but it is what it is. It's just every single week, coach. I look at the tape and I'm going, I, I, I can't think of one play where I go, there you go, Savage. It just never happens. But let's, mo- let's move on to the it. next. All right. Yeah, on. if we're going to do this chronologically, if you don't mind, I'm going to pop into mine here because it was uh, kind of going offense here. It looks like you're going. So if you don't mind, I'm going to share my screen quick. And just it was the uh, first first uh drive second play of the first drive um so i'm gonna go ahead and pop that up here and just kind of show you some of the things that uh that i was able to see from uh, what i thought and and you would kind of back me up on this a a pretty darn cool formation a pretty smart formation set here from green bay um we got 12 personnel in the game meaning one running back you know the two tight ends green bay does a nice job of what we call adding a gap meaning attaching a tight end right here when you attach a tight end like that um, the defense has to compensate. So what Buffalo has gone to is what they call an oaky front or where you're going to have a five tech D end and then a shaded nose to the to the strong side of the center. And then backside, you're going to have a four eye and then they can bring that overhang linebacker right here, Von Miller, up on the line. And the way that Green Bay has schemed this up is actually pretty sweet because they get to use their bigger personnel and their good run blockers against um buffalo's not so good so what they're going to do is go ahead and run zone left so now you got your attached tight end on a corner that's a win personnel wise and then you can go ahead and take your left tackle on von miller that's a win for you personnel wise then you can get your guard your one of your better run blockers here in zach tom um or a guard in in most situations you can get (laughs) him to a d lineman then you can free release your center all the way up Get John Runyon on the nose, and we can go ahead and free release your right tackle all the way up to the second level. And what you're going to do is take Josiah DeGuara around here, which is really kind of slick because this D end, knowing that he's the protected defensive lineman, you know he's going to come off the field or up the field, excuse me. So you're going to see him come all the way up. Then it's a really nice little get for Aaron Jones here to grab from the sidecar and hit that cutback lane right here, right behind the H-back. So as we roll this ahead a little bit and get rid of all my goofy lines there, we're going to see we get good personnel here. You got big on big here with Zach Tom. You got Bakhtiari going to get out here and use a sift technique, we call it against Von Miller, to make sure that he's not in the play. You've got a tight end on a corner, which is awesome. And then as I roll this ahead a little bit, look at the release you get to second level, baby. Let's go. Like This is gorgeous. This is everything you want. And then you're going to get DeGuara here just barreling into the defensive end, the unblocked five tech. And it's going to give you a beautiful cutback lane right there. You're going to leave that buck linebacker unblocked, knowing that if he makes that play in the hole right there for a three-yard gain, good for him. Because that's going to be just an impossible angle for him to get around. As you see Nyman come up here and um, get to that backer that Sam backer, there's no way the Bucks going to make that play. So now it's the backside inside linebacker making the play for an eight yard gain. So like schematically and personnel wise, this is a really smart, smart play. And you're taking, in my opinion, I know everybody hates it and that's fine. One of your better <laughs> run blockers in John Runyon, and you're putting him one on one against Jones here and Dayton Jones, big dog, dude, six, four, 
you know, 320. Like, this is a dude. And watch Runyon here run his feet, seal it oh, off. Wow. Like, this is beautiful. This is everything you want from inside zone blocking right here. And you're going to leave that buck just absolutely unattached. And check out what the backside inside backer has to do from this release from Myers. If you, you get a linebacker to hit here and have to spin off and pursue up the field because he knows he's in trouble, like, y'all, that's perfect. That is, yeah. That's exactly what you should be looking for, in my opinion, when it comes to this sort of stuff. So real quick, I'm just going to pull this up on the X's and O's chart we have here available for us in Huddle and show you just one more time real quick what it's going to look like so that we can see just kind of from a base standpoint without all the film, you're going to get this look, which you really like from your tight end on a corner. You're going to get Bakhtiari now on um, Von Miller. You're going to get big on big here. We're going to free release this. Runyon on the nose. We're going to free release this sucker. You're going to come here and kick out with Josiah DeGuara. Then all Aaron Jones has to do is get in here, take the handoff, and know he's got that cut back because that buck is right here is in a real tough spot. So, y'all, I thought this was just absolutely brilliant scheming, and I, I loved everything about that. I wish they were in that formation a lot more. Yeah, and, and honestly, the way that the game went, I think you're going to see more and more of that formation. I really do because there's another play later we're going to highlight with that same type of look. And, yeah, that like you said with that buck, I mean, it's one thing to go, okay, there's nobody on him, go make the tackle, but there's so much traffic there. It's, it's like, you know, I don't know, man, just organized chaos. I love it, man. Absolutely. Love it. All right, let's move on to the next one. I'm going to share my screen again, and we're going to go to – the next play that really kind of stood out to me. Now, this is one that got negated for a penalty, but I wanted to highlight it real, real quick, Coach, because Aaron's been talking about how we need to simplify the offense, and there's too many mental mistakes. And, you know, I personally – the media took that, I think, as he's throwing his receivers under the bus. I did not see that at all. I thought it was more directed toward the offensive line. You know, when he said we need to start cutting reps, if people are making mistakes, we need to start cutting reps, then the very next game, what happens? Royce Newman's pulled. Right. And I think what Aaron's talking about in simplifying the offense and, and I watched a, 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 a episode of JTL Sullivan's um, podcast here earlier tonight talking about some of the things that have become difficult for Aaron. And a lot of it is it's geared around play action. It really is that he thinks they're trying to do too much in the play action game. Even, you know, they're not even biting essentially on the play action. I mean, you've seen it with the flea flicker that, you know, Romeo Dobbs was still in double coverage on the flea flicker. So it's like it's not like necessarily they're biting on the play fake. And, you know, something that Greg Cosell's talked about at nauseum here lately is, and you kind of heard on the telecast last night if you were listening to the broadcasters, that the league is just kind of giving the run up right now. They're kind of saying, okay, we'll let you have the run, and, and we're going to bank on the fact that you're going to get hit with a hold here and there, and we're just going to make sure that you don't have the big explosive plays through the passing game. It kind of feels that way. But on this play here, um, this was in the second quarter, nine minutes and 18 seconds left. It was a first and ten. Again, this is negated by a defensive penalty. But what I wanted to point out, and we don't have the all 22, but I'll explain exactly what happens on the all 22. Uh, essentially, they're in a 12-gun balance tight, wide off, halfback left. That's kind of the set, right? And like I said, we don't have the all 22. But to me, it looked like a switch wolf concept. And what I mean by wolf on the bottom, and everybody calls things different. Wolf is one of those, in my opinion, one of the more rare concepts. You don't hear about it often. But essentially, it's a corner and an out on the same side of the field that's going to attack at two levels. So 
we won't be able to see those routes because of the TV copy. But what I wanted to point out here and what I think that Aaron's talking about is he's selling play action. You know, as always, you want to marry up the run to the pass, right? You want to make every single play look like a run, even though you may be passing. That's essentially what you're looking to do. And as you can see here, Zach Tom is lined up at left guard. He's going to pull across and they're going to play fake here. So they're going to play fake. And this is one of those situations where Aaron isn't turning his back to the ball, right, or turning his back to the defensive line. He's going to stay squared up. And you can see Tunyon releases. They run the switch. And Tunyon essentially is running a 10 to 12-yard out route, while Dobbs, I believe it was Dobbs on that side, is going to switch over, and he's going to run kind of a deep corner. So they're trying to attack that side of the field. But, again, the play doesn't even get to that point. As Zach Tom wraps around, basically what Buffalo did here on this play was Buffalo, they sugared, they sugared a two-tech pressure with the backer, and then they run kind of a stunt that brings the linebacker around on a loop, okay? And as this play unfolds, what you see is Zach Tom pulling to the right, and he literally puts hands on no one. Von Miller takes the edge. The running back picks him up. Zach Tom doesn't get a hand on him. And essentially what he should have done, in my opinion, and this is the dumb redneck from Tennessee trying to dissect this. So I'm, I'm really eager to hear what you got to say, Coach. But as he comes around, he gets hands on no one. The backer loops around, and, and you're left with Yash Nijman is basically having to block two people. And he actually did a decent job considering. <laughs> but essentially what you have is what we talked about last week with Taylor Haneke not being able to step up in the pocket and deliver on that out route on that crucial third down. Aaron Rodgers can't step into this throw. He sees it. As soon as it's off the play fake, he knows I've got Tunyon single coverage. They're on inside leverage. He's going to throw Tunyon open to the outside, and when he steps up to make the throw, he can't even get up in the pocket. He can't climb the pocket at all. He can't even throw off the back foot. He's hit and sacked. Again, it was negated by a penalty. I'm going to let it loop here a couple times, Coach. But I wanted to point it out because these are the things that I personally believe Aaron's talking about and we've got to simplify this offense. You know, it's important to marry up the run in the past, right? But for me in this situation, what I would rather see is do, just do a straight-up play-action pass, maybe have everybody kind of fan to the right a little bit, but don't worry about pulling the guard there. And I know you pointed out, and I'm eager to hear what you got to say, that maybe the backer was chasing the guard as well. There might be a little bit of that too because that's how they're trained. But I just wanted to kind of point that out that it's just, to me, it's too complex for this offensive line at the moment. You know, you had enough guys to protect Aaron Rodgers on this play, but you just have one offensive lineman with no assignment here. I mean, he had an assignment, but he never got hands on a guy, right? So you would have had a busted play there on first and 10, again, negated by a penalty, but I just wanted to mention, I think personally that's what Aaron's talking about. Again, the media was harping on, oh, he's talking about the receivers and throwing them under the bus. I don't think he was talking about the receivers at all. I personally think he was talking about the offensive line and the DBs and what happened – Yesterday, Eric Stokes got pulled for a short short time, and Eric Stokes is having one of his worst years of his of his young career. So that's kind of how I seen it. What do you see here on this play, Coach? Yeah, um, a couple of things I've I've seen that could uh, kind of explain this a little bit. I think what the Packers were trying to do is is get a a decent way to get a, a solid double team on Von Miller, knowing that he's lined up, you know, in a standard pass pro, he'd be one on one with Yash Nyman here. Um, just because of the way the Buffalo schemed it, you couldn't really slide to him. So I think the Packers were trying to get a, a double team on him by pulling Tom around. One of the first things I notice about this play is just the immediate interior penetration here, which makes Zach Tom have to come off of his angle a little bit. When you run trap protection, we call this, 
um, where you're trying to trap that D end and hit him with a guard. You really want to get a good push from the line at first so that you can really make that angle of the pulling guard nice and skinny so that he can attack the inside shoulder of the defender that he's going to block, in this case, Von Miller. So when Zach Tom has to come around all of that mess because you get immediate penetration, kind of throws his his track off. We call it the track. Um, and then he doesn't really have an opportunity here as he's running through that mess. You can see this sucker's blown back already, you know, yeah. a yard and a half, two yards. So you want to get a little harder step off of the ball from the rest of your sliding O-lineman going left so that Zach Tom's track is a little more um, straight so that he can attack that inside shoulder. And that's why Von Miller has the opportunity to kind of come through and split this. Um, so that's number one. Number two, what I see from that backside inside backer that you were talking about is with his first steps going forward, that is a blitz. Um, that tells me that he is responsible for blitzing B-gap. He's going to go where he's shown. But um, with anything, you know, with any blitz, you do have a appeal aspect of it. So if your guard pulls, you have to follow him. That's how you try to take away power and trap and all that sort of stuff. Otherwise, if you just blitz through that hole, you're going to be on the backside of the play and you're wasted. So as soon as he sees his guard pull, he has to kind of redirect. And you watch him scrape around the top of the pile here when Yash gets his hands on him. Um, that's a good play by that linebacker. Yeah. Uh, just noticing that guard pulling and coming off of his blitz path to insert um, in the backside of where that guard is. Usually there's a uh, there's an old saying that says when a guard pulls, the guard will take you to the ball. And um, that's why we have our linebackers follow the pull. And that's that's what he did here. So a good way to fight across the top of that. I don't think it was a stunt necessarily because I didn't see any of the interior D linemen um, crashing back a gap. You know, if anything, they're just attacking inside man and getting yeah. pushed off by the rest of the inside linemen. So I think mm -hmm. it's a good play by this backer. Um, regardless, you can't allow that much push. If you're an offensive lineman here, you can't allow Zach Tom to get that far off track. That's that's tough. I get it. They're tough angles. You, uh, it's, it's a pass place. So you don't want to go down the field and drive them down the field too much, but you're allowed a yard and a half or so. Take that yard and a half and drive them and really sell play action. Play action won't work if it doesn't look, smell, and feel and taste like run. You know, it's it's got to be run all the way. And I don't think anybody's buying that this is is trap. You know what right. I mean? So, <clears throat> yeah, and that's from those four. Um, and, and you need Zach time to be able to square up. Yeah, and that's kind of what uh, O'Sullivan was talking about was on his pod was you know in this situation, what are you gaining from from running a play action here with a pulling guard? The defense didn't buy it. You know, and this is his opinion. I'm not saying it's 100% accurate, but he's saying these are the things that Aaron's talking about that that is just a little bit too complex for this young offensive line. And you go from a situation where you think, okay, you got the matchup you wanted. You got the look you wanted. Look how everybody is in close to the line of scrimmage. It wasn't like they just got there on the, on the bottom of the play fake. They were already up on the line. You can see the backers really don't bite too much. And Aaron's, Aaron's looking at Tonya like, all right, big play. Here we go. And, you know, to the untrained eye and mine being one as well, unless I look at it 4,500 times like I have today, you would think, well, there's Aaron just trying to take a shot on first down, trying to play hero ball. That's not the case at all. They got the look. They got the matchup. The play was there. But like you said, you've got Ed Oliver just, I mean, absolutely annihilating the interior offensive line and putting them right in Aaron's, Aaron's uh, lap. So just wanted to point that out because that's one of the situations where I think Aaron's talking about we need to simplify things. I could be wrong, but personally, that's what it kind of feels like to me. So, um, sure. Anything else you want to hit on that, or are we good to move on to the next? No, that looks good. Let's move on. All right. Awesome. So, the next play we're going to highlight, guys, let me check the uh, time real quick. Oh, yeah, we're doing great. Are you kidding me? All right. Um, the next play, 
was actually it came in the second quarter, 622 left. It was a second and 12. And this is the Romeo Dobbs 19-yard touchdown catch. And I'm telling you right now, man, when Aaron laid this in there with touch, I was like, I immediately had to go to Twitter, Coach. I was like, I'm so sick of hearing people say this guy has no accuracy anymore. Because this is a – I mean, this this ball is thrown absolutely perfect. Now, let's set the play up for you guys. We got a 12-gun, doubles, Y-flex right, slot motion strong, halfback same, H in the Z. And, Coach, I wanted to ask you about this. You've got DeGuara down here on the bottom of the screen. You've got your H back playing Z. Would you just call that Z, or would you code that in a way that, that lets everyone on the team know, okay, you know, the H is going to be out here wide in the Z. To me, it looks like he's the Z and up top with Sammy is the X. Do you see that the same way? Uh, yeah, in this in this situation, all all we do is, I mean, I think you, you code it kind of in the West Coast way, um, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a, a still a pretty common way to, to code and tag things. Um, all we do is, is just call this on over, you know, telling our, our tight ends, our H and our Y where to go. Um, so this would be doubles left on over for us, essentially, you know, that's what we'd get to with the motion. So we'd go doubles left on over, um, and that allows our H and our Y to know where to line up. Perfect. And and you guys can kind of, you can go back and watch the old film and hearing these guys call these plays in the huddle back in the late nineties, early two thousands. And this play call in the huddle last 15 seconds. But then you hear how coach just put it together in a short phrase. And that's why, you know, the 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 uh, the terminology, the the play calling in the huddle and, and coming in from the headset and all that from the sideline has really, really evolved to save time, especially some of these teams that, that ran a lot of muddle huddle there five, seven years ago. But uh, so let's do this. Let's kind of walk through it. What we've got, what I see essentially, coach, is an X dig dagger Y climb. OK, and way I see it. Obviously, X at the top of the screen with Sammy. He's just going to run a little dig route, right? And he's your X receiver, so that's going to be your X dig. Now, what is dagger Y climb? Some people will call it Y climb dagger, right? But I, I said dagger Y climb. Okay, a dagger is a is a uh, route combination. It's a passing concept, right? Where you've basically got a, uh, a deep route, like a streak or maybe a nine fade. And then you've got a dig underneath it. Okay. That's called a dagger play. You're stretching the field vertically and you've got an underneath route to go along with it. Well, what's the Y climb? I called it a climb because to me, this didn't look like a skinny and it didn't look like a real cr- uh, crosser. And some people just call crossers climbs. Uh, are you familiar with that terminology coach? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we call it get open. <laughs> you know, we call <laughs> exactly. it a, a green grass route. Um, a lot of times we'll call it a fit where we can't exactly tell you where that safety is going to be or that corner coming across in man coverage. We're not exactly sure if he's going to switch or if he's going to stay. So we just call it a fit route, fit where they're not. Yeah, absolutely. And and it kind of looks like that. It, it To me, it looked, especially on the All-22, when I seen it on Twitter, it was – there's some real ghetto film. I didn't want to put it on here. As, as grainy as this looks, it was really grainy. But you can just kind of see Tunyon's just kind of working the middle of the field and, and climbing. And the reason they call it a climb is, you know, you start the crosser, you might get a little bit vertical, then flatten it off, vertical again, flatten it off. You're just kind of, like, like Coach said, just trying to get open. So with the dagger play, essentially the protection I want to hear you talk about here in a second. But as he drops back, you've got the motion trips, and, and that's what really – signals to Aaron, okay, this is man, right? This this uh this uh slot motion, I should say. You got Romeo Dobbs motioning across. You can see there's a guy following him that tells Aaron, 
His first key, pre-snap read, man coverage, drops back, and, and really just sees with Dobbs already having the momentum, he's going to run that nine fade, and Aaron just throws a dot. I mean, you can't throw it any better than that. Now, i got to give credit to Dobbs here. Dobbs got turned around, and that wasn't Aaron's fault. That was Dobbs' fault. But he, he literally did two 360s and still somehow caught this ball, Coach. I mean, just an excellent, excellent play. This is one of those two. It's second and 12, right? And some people go, here comes the hero ball. Why not just run it and make it third and manageable? Again, for me, it's you come to the line of scrimmage, you get the exact look you want. All right, here's the play call. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. And you're starting to see Aaron really develop a lot of trust in um, in Romeo Dobbs for sure. Now, another thing that allowed this to happen is this four-man rush, Coach. I mean, it's essentially just a four-man rush. And Aaron, this is what you see. When you give him time in the pocket, he is accurate with the football. Finishes the drop, one hitch, and the ball comes out. I mean, that's even over a defensive lineman's head. I believe that is Ed Oliver again right there. But I felt like the uh, the pass blocking really held up. And, and look out here on the edge, Coach. I know you're getting excited watching Yash over here with Von Miller. He essentially handled Von Miller by himself. I mean, it, don't get me wrong, it wasn't perfect. But it gave Rodgers the time he needed to take that shot to Dobbs. But what are you seeing here with this play? Does anything stand out to you? In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. I'm just seeing a lot of really cool stuff. I mean, Buffalo obviously trying to play it as smart as they can. You know, getting Von Miller to the side at another Oki front, like we had talked about. Getting Von Miller to the side where, you know, he can attack Yash and not Bakhtiari and pass pro. Um, Packers went ahead and slid this sucker, what we call a man slide. They slid it left. So they were trusting to put Yash on that island. Um, as soon as they saw man coverage with that motion, they knew that they didn't even need Aaron Jones in protection anymore. Because if that backside or that playside inside backer, excuse me, would have blitzed, um, you had nobody left for Aaron Jones. So that's why you see him run the swing and you see that inside backer number 50 have to get out there and, and play man on him. So they knew for a fact he wasn't coming. So then the only other inside backer who could have blitzed would have been that backside inside backer. So if he's going to go ahead and blitz, he's going to have to blitz into the slide. So Green Bay set the slide correctly. 
Yash won a one-on-one battle with one of the elites, took him up the hoop with some really fast footwork and didn't allow his inside club rip to really hit home. And then the really nice thing is right guard, uh, John Runyon here getting back on his skates a little bit, but when Ed Oliver gets vertical and unfortunately it kind of cuts it off, but Runyon takes that as a personal offense. And that's what you love to see from offensive linemen. When D linemen get their hands up, you know, they obviously can't protect their chest, can't protect their ribs. And offensive linemen take that as a personal offense. Like, hey, I'm not even worried about you. I'm going to go ahead and expose all of me and give you a big slab. And Runyon just eats him up. And you just you love to see that sort of stuff. That's really well done. That is great. And I didn't even think about that, man. Just the ins and outs, right, of (laughs) – of, of an offensive lineman's mindset of, oh, yeah, you don't think I can hurt you? You're going to completely expose your rib cage and get vertical to try to get your hands in the air. All right, let me let me show you what you got in front of you right now. Exactly. And that is really, really cool, though, to see Runyon hold up right there. And like you said, he does get walked back a bit. But, again, it's and it's just another example of, of Aaron's launch point, too. There's not a, a lot of quarterbacks in the league, Coach, that can – can make that throw with that precision off the back foot the way he does and kind of leaning backwards. You know what I mean? Like there's some quarterbacks that's really got to step into that. And this reminds me a lot of that play against the Jets down the sideline against the uh, single high where where Aaron just threaded the needle uh, to Alan Lazard. I mean, he puts this ball in a perfect spot. Let's go back to the replay here and kind of show the catch in a little more detail. Yeah, bro. I mean, throwing up your back foot like that—that's and, and and taking that sucker, you know, thirty yards in the air—that's Kobe's twenty-foot fadeaway, right? That's exactly. There's only a few people in the world that can do it, and that's why you get the money, right? That's exactly right. And, and these are the things, guys. I don't mean to sound, you know, petty or or try to start arguments or I darn sure don't want to prove anybody wrong. Trust me, I'm wrong all the time. Like I say, I'm married. I'm wrong all the time. All right, but. When, when I see throws like this, you're not going to convince me that Aaron Rodgers has lost his accuracy. I mean, that is absolutely perfect. If Dobbs doesn't get turned around the way he does, he's really got that defender boxed out, and that ball is right on the money. Don't get me wrong. Excellent catch by Romeo Dobbs. And, and everything that we're seeing from him, the jugs machine has really paid off, Coach, because everything he catches, it's hands catches now, which is really, really good to see from a rookie receiver. I mean, that that's excellent right there. And, and to yeah, be able to maintain nasty. possession through the ground, I mean, that doesn't look like a rookie to me. So um, is there any good man face coverage? I mean, that defender's in pretty good shape. He's on the backside hip. He's in phase here. He's raking through the ball with his offhand. He's attached with his near hand. I mean, this is, this is really well done coverage-wise. I mean, yeah, there's a little window there, but he closes well. He doesn't put his head back. He's in phase. It's good coverage. It's just – Jimmy's and Joe's, man. Sometimes our dudes are better than yours. Absolutely. And last night, the majority of the night, theirs were better than ours. That's just the way it is. But, uh, again, this play came. We were down 14 to nothing. Why am I doing this in order? Why are we talking about these, these specific plays? Because this is one of those situations where you needed this to get back in this game. I mean, now you, you close it back down to a one-score game. That is a clutch throw and catch from Aaron Rodgers to Romeo Dobbs. Huge, huge play. So let's move along here, Coach. Let's go to the next play on a script. And this came in the second quarter, 529 left. Scores 14 to 7, right? Uh, they've got the ball. It's a second and inches play. You might be thinking, oh, second inch and inches doesn't sound that crucial. But this, again, is why our run defense is so bad. It's not that it's just one specific player. It just happens to be that one player that keeps popping up, right? And, and this is a really cool play call. 
that Buffalo has when they come out and set. Like I said, second quarter, 529 left, second inches. This is what I would call a heavy ace 11. Guys, there are six offensive linemen in on this play. And what's really cool, we go to the camera behind the line of scrimmage. You can see Dawson Knox is eligible, and he is in the middle of the right tackle and this extra offensive lineman. So that just throws so much, so many things in the flux here. And you pointed some stuff out offline, Coach. What does that trigger in your mind when you see him reporting as eligible there and you've got this other offensive line to the right on the wing there as well? Yeah, this is a pretty nasty formation. This is a pretty nasty set. That means that that safety over Knox has to respect him in the run game, especially given situational football, you know, Second and short, extra O-lineman in. You're thinking, dude, if they take a shot here off a of play action, it could be a home run. So you're thinking that safety is going to be like, hey, you, you got to be you got to be reading number two receiver and get your eyes off of that extra O-lineman. What it also does is really widen your edge out when you put an offensive lineman at a wing, right? So you've essentially got a 60 front here. We got four down linemen and then two edges, two outside backers. And that outside backer is now in you know, the widest of wide nines because you've added a gap with that extra offensive lineman. So you've really kind of pushed them away from the edges. You've really softened up what we call C gap or that gap right outside, or excuse me, D gap, that gap right outside of the tight end there. You've softened that up with an inside alignment by Dean Lowry, which he has to take on a tight end. So he doesn't get a free release down the field, but also you have a wide nine. So now all of a sudden you've got an exposed gap and D gap between the tight end and that extra offensive lineman that that safety in the backfield at eight yards, nine yards of depth is responsible for. That's a tough, it's a tough ask, but as you'll see, you know, um, as, as you had pointed out, uh, they schemed it up, you know, they, they got dudes in the right spot. And sometimes dudes just got to make play as, as, as you've been saying. Absolutely. And, and essentially what you've got here, guys, is a hat on a hat and you've got Dean Lowry is going to kind of protect this C gap. Right. And when the ball is snapped, you see Dean reads it, Jams inside. He gets a little bit blown off the ball. I don't think he was ready for Dawson Knox to really fire off the ball there. It's almost like as if he's looking at him and go, okay, he's definitely the receiving threat here. I'm good there. I can just kind of out-muscle him. Dawson puts him on a knee, but Dean recovers pretty well and holds his gap there. And that forces the running back to cut back. Well, everything is schemed up absolutely perfect. What do I mean by that? We got the out here to the right, we got the edge set. You've got Dean holding his gap. He crashes in. Savage comes up to plug his gap. You've got the inside linebacker that's cutting, that's uh, that's covering the cutback and ready to clean up anything that gets by. And it's a good thing he did because as Savage creeps up into this gap and this ball is ran, what you see is right here, Coach. I mean, you as a defensive coordinator, how do you draw it up any better than this right here, Coach? Like you, you have your first round pick safety. Fifth-year option, Mr. Fifth-year option, is, as Jacob refers to him, six-year option. He's got a Vikings fan. It's like, man, I hope they pick up a six-year option on this guy because he's horrible. But <laughs> we're not going to turn it into a bash fest. But this right here, from a defensive coordinator standpoint, this is what you're looking for, right? Yeah. Now, and as you roll that back, you're going to watch the right tackle's left step. Um, they're running a play here called duo which allows that right guard to fall step. So it's not inside zone because they're going to want to try to win the line of scrimmage first. So 71 and 77 do an unbelievable job for Buffalo on that double team, allows 71 to climb up, and you're literally going to leave your safety unblocked. If you're Buffalo, you know, you, you want the safety to be the unblocked defender, and you're just thinking, 
back to Jimmy's and Joe's, dude. You're thinking, hey, we're Buffalo. We think our dude can make him miss in the hole or at least pick up the first down if we get the first level taken care of, um, which they did. They did a really nice job, really nice gallop step from that right tackle, meaning he's going to just square up and cover up that defender. And they're just going to challenge your safety to make a play in the hole. Um, and it just didn't happen. Yeah. And this is what I'm referring to when we're, when we're talking about the run fit and, and you know, and how Savage has really just kind of popped on screen. And, and there's others, too, but it's just every single game you see this. And it, it's become a liability from a player that should be one of your strengths. You know, I personally believe that when you get into the second tier of importance players on the defensive side of the ball, the first tier, in my opinion, is that edge defender. The edge defender is top-notch. If you can get a good rush with a Von Miller or, or a Rashawn Gary and, and really, really attack the edges, to me, that's the most important. That second tier, to me, then it goes to nose tackle, middle linebacker, and free safety. And when it comes to free safety, it is a 100% a liability for the Green Bay Packers. And it's just another example right here. And, again, we're doing this in chronological order to kind of show you, okay, what happened. At this point, this was still a ball game. This was 14-7. to 7. Right. And uh, although it's just a second and inches play, these are the kind of plays when they gash you for these big runs that the defense just starts to get demoralized. And you can bet your rear end on the offensive side of the ball. They're on the sideline going, this is going to turn into a track meet, guys. We got to we're going to have to crank this up. We're going to have to be overly aggressive. We can't play our our game as much as we want because things like this are happening. And again, go back to that opening drive, third and 14. Crucial play early in the game, going to set the tone for the entire evening. you got Darnell Savage, who, in my opinion, looked like he was just – he didn't want anything to do with tackling Josh Allen, whiffed outside, and then right here, it's just hesitation. Like, in my opinion right here, you've got the edge set. Attack that guy. Attack him. And instead, you you know, it's a little half, you know, half-wrap tackle. I mean, that's, that's not how you teach the tackle right there. I mean, you're talking about putting your helmet in their chest – he is doing everything the easy way on the outside, gets shrugged off, actually takes Kenny Clark out with his limp body, um, but that's a story for a, another pod. So just wanted to point that out again, guys, not trying to be negative, not trying to bash one specific player. These things keep popping up. And when you mention it sometimes, immediately what people argue is, well, they just need to get rid of Joe Barry. This is on Joe Barry. Joe Barry. Joe Barry has got all these. This roster has all the talent in the world, and it's Joe Barry that's holding them back. If you watch this play, this has nothing to do with Joe. If anything, it's Joe Barry. Give him an A plus on this play because he had it schemed up perfect. And I love the set that we didn't even uh, really talk about, uh, Coach. When you talk about this heavy set, I mean, look at the big bodies on that defensive lineup here. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got that's a lot. That's a lot of beef right there. You've got. Yeah, they 300 pounder, 300 pounder. I mean, essentially, you've got four heavy defensive linemen, right? Your two outside backers, and then you've got a middle linebacker in the middle. What would you call that? I mean, it's essentially a 4 3, but that's not what it's called. What would you call that look? Yeah, anytime we get a package like this, we're going to give it a, a, its own tag name. We could call it heavy. We could call it a one word name like Tonka, you know, that sort of stuff <laughs> where there's, oh, yeah, we, we, have a, we have a Tonka package for sure. Um, you know, we, we have these different one word packages where it's one alignment and one coverage behind it because there's only so many coverages you can run when you got seven dudes in the box and six of them are on the line of scrimmage. Right. So if you go back to the end zone view of this, you'll see how well that they actually did scheme this up because right there, 
your safety is in the run fit, right? Because you can see that open gap right off tackle there in D gap. So that safety has got to be in the run fit. If you watch the backside safety here, the, the boundary safety, he's going to get into a backpedal right away because they're essentially in a modified cover three here. So he's going to get into that backpedal right away because take a look at that left side of the line. He doesn't need to be in the run fit. You've steamed it up perfectly. You've got C gap covered. You've got B gap covered. you got A gap covered. you got a flowing linebacker. So if this sucker goes to the offense's left, you don't need that safety in the run fit. So it's it's, it's brilliantly schemed. It's brilliantly personnel matched. It's probably a one word thing. We call it something like this tonker or whatever um, yeah. that we rep throughout. And then it's a, uh, a, Word comes over the headset of, hey, they got six alignment, go Tonka Tonka, and you're on the field. Everybody knows their job. They know what they have to do. Here, everybody knows their job. Everybody knows what they have to do. It's just a matter of executing your job, and it just didn't happen. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. I, I knew as soon as I seen that six offensive lineman in the frame, I went, oh, coach is going to love this look. <laughs> that is pretty dope. I've never seen a wing offensive lineman uncovering a tight end. I'm going to – I'm gonna probably steal that. That's pretty nasty, dude. That's that's dope. I completely agree. I remember back in the early 2000s when I first became a Packer fan, and they would line up. I believe his name was Kevin Barry. They would report him with as a tight end, but I don't remember them doing doing it that way, where the the actual receiving threat tight end was splitting the tackle and the the wing offensive lineman. It's just it's really really cool look. So, and we're gonna finish it with this one right here, guys. Again, just wanted to point that out. That game was still in reach at that point, and those are the type of plays that that really caused this to unfold. It wasn't Joe Barry calling a bad defense. It was literally, you know, Jimmy's and Joe's, exactly what Coach said. It's they lined up and played football, and for me, I'm coming to the realization, Coach, that this roster isn't as good as people thought it was. And when they said, well, they played great last year, they were a middle-tier defense last year. And we came out of training camp this year, and all the beat reporters were talking about, oh, this is going to be a top-five defense. Oh, they're absolutely dominating the offensive line. And I'm sitting there going, man, I want to believe it, but we don't have Bakhtiari healthy yet. We don't have Elton Jenkins healthy yet. Who are they going against, right? And so this defense has really struggled, and I personally believe it's lack of talent in certain areas and, and really one of the more important areas, which is free safety. And you can kind of see – they had two on the shelf there. They were cheating the free safety in just a touch, and uh, they do that late rotation in the spot. And, and in the past, Coach, I might look at that play and go, man, the safety needs to be up on the line of scrimmage. He's late to the spot. He had plenty of athleticism to get to the spot. He just didn't make the tackle, and that's on Savage. That's why, again, he graded out so low in tackle grade again this week. You can just kind of see that stuff coming. So last play we're going to cover here. Let me check the time real quick, make sure we're not – oh, yeah, we're good. Perfect. Um, So this is – uh. This came in the third quarter, 12.35 left. It was a second and 10 play. And the fact that it was a second and 10 and it's a, a big run play is really, really exciting. And this, we're kind of going back to where we started. You know, one of the plays that Coach Han highlighted uh, at the beginning of this episode, we were talking about this double sidecar with the uh, with the H back in the backfield with the running back, right? And essentially what we've got is um, A.J. Dillon's in the backfield. You got a double sidecar with the H back. This is gun 12, Y off motion left, flex, split back, halfback same. And what you're going to see, for me, um, this just looks like a really, really simple play where you're playing the hat count on one side of the field. And, I mean, they just come out and run. Is this a zone right play in your opinion, Coach? Yeah, this is what we call zone lead. This is a, a sweet little thing. I'll let you do your thing before I kind of uh, talk about it, but it's a, it's a sweet little 
addition, I guess, if you will, to that play that I had showed you earlier. Absolutely. So what I want to point out, just a few things here. First of all, if you watch Josh Myers at center and coach, you talked about it in the play earlier, this is, it's schemed up so well consistently in this Green Bay running attack where the center, a big center, an abnormally large center, like he's something like 6'5", 310 pounds, huge center, right? And he just loves to get to the second level. Like, look at him get out here in front. I mean, <laughs> that poor backer didn't know what to think. Like, And look at him just drive, drive, drive the center right off the ball. So that really stands out to me. He, You know, he gets the hands on the nose and passes him off, right? First, a little bit of contact there, just a little side shove. He's getting to the next level and hitting the backer. Uh, passes him on to Tom. Tom did a great job, as uh, like I said, as Myers got to the next level. Now, Tom seals the right side really, really well here. If you watch Zach Tom come across, and he's just going to kind of drive. Look at number 50 right here, Coach. I mean, he just walks him down the line and really blows that, uh, that cutback lane wide open. Huge, huge play there for Zach Tom. I mean, that defensive lineman had no shot whatsoever. And then the H-back in Deguara, you know, it's nothing fancy, but he gets to that C-gap quick and gets hands on that backer. I believe it's on Tra uh, Traymon, Ed or Traymon Edmonds, one of the fastest linebackers in the league. But just enough, you can see him kind of come out the other side here and Deguara get hands on him to cause hesitation. And what's so cool about all those big bodies, I mean, three, four, you know, three linemen there on the right side causing this clog with, with Zach Tom doing a great job with his feet, really sealing off the inside. You can tell that Edmonds kind of gets lost in the run fit. And uh, just love this play design. I love everything about it. And then, of course, A.J. Dillon, man, with the cutback, Coach. I mean, look at this. Bam, puts his foot in the ground, cut back, and then look at this little wiggle. I mean, he could very easily run over this DB. He'll get tackled, but, you know, make the highlight reel. Maybe maybe make the uh, – uh, what is it? Uh, the uh, the show on NFL Network there, Good Morning Football, maybe get the scepter for being an angry run participant. But instead, he gives him a little uh right around him. I mean, it just shows you A.J. Dillon's got that ability. He's got that burst to make guys miss without running over him as well, uh, even though he is called the quad father. So I want to hear what you got to say, man, because I'm telling you right now, when I seen this play on tape, I said, oh, yeah, this is this is one coach is going to be slobbering over right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I love the change of pace. Um, just slight adjustments from what we saw in that play that I had shown before. Same personnel set, right? We're still in 12 personnel, still got two tight ends and one running back on the field. Um, this is a formation that we would call King Wright. It started in. So we would just call it King Wright and we'd allow, you know, Tunyon over there to, we would just tag it with YAC, which stands for Y across, YAC. So it'd be King Wright, YAC, and then zone lead right. Um, that gives your offensive linemen all the, the play call they need. You're just running zone to the right. The lead tag tells Deguara that you're going to the same side now. If you remember back um, in the first quarter on that first drive, Deguara came ac across the formation in what we call back. So instead of going with the offensive lineman, he came back and he would have hit number three here um, coming off the edge. Well, they, they kind of uh, it changed it up just enough so that that top side outside backer um, didn't really know what to do and it slows him down just enough to get him depth in the backfield and not crash hard off that edge because initially he's thinking Deguara is going to go back across the formation um, like they had seen previously so now when they lead him it makes him go up the field a little bit more 
and knowing that you're never going to get Dylan in the backfield if you're at the same level as him. You know, you've got to start your shimmy way earlier. So you've got that taken care of on the top side. That's great. But what really stands out to me here is left tackle David Bakhtiari. This is a very difficult thing to do. This is called a sift technique where you have to kind of lateral step to the inside, lateral step to your right to protect that B gap. And then you've got a slingshot. You've got to whip all the way around with your body, put a foot in the ground in traffic and seal or sift this defender back out to the C gap. So you got to protect B gap first just to make sure that he's not going to spike inside and blow the play up. But then when he goes to that backside, you've got to be thinking he does in fact have time because he's not as high up the field as that outside backer on the other side. He does have the ability to blow this play up if he has if he can get into that cutback lane. So he slingshots all the way around with great hands on. Really going to open up that cutback lane. This is a kind of an intentional cutback here. So Dylan's just reading the right foot of the right guard or the, the outside foot of the play side guard. And if that is an open gap, he's going to take that. But right here he sees that's not open at all. That's all closed up, which means the defense is out of cutback players. If they can close that gap up, there's nobody left for cutback. So that's what he sees. It's a great read by him. It's a great sift by Bakhtiari. It's a slick play call. I love Myers getting up to the second level. And then the way that they instead of blocking back with it with the guara like they did on the first play the way that they keep that other outside backer out of the out of the realm is just by having tunyon run a little out route you know and block him with conflict some of the best blocks you can get are blocking with conflict so if tunyon's going to take this little speed out here they're going to have to chase him down with flats coverage and that dude will never be able to get into the run fit so really Absolutely. well designed really cool personnel and and really well executed and something else, it's funny you mentioned that because I didn't even recognize him taking that guy out of the play. And they're in man coverage, and this is why the pre-snap motion is so important. You can see Tunyon motioning over, got the guy following him, takes him completely out. He runs that little flat route, takes him completely out of the run run game here. And, you know, you were talking about the backer there on the, uh, on the weak side, on the H-back side. That's actually Von Miller, too. I mean – when you make that guy miss, and, and Yash probably got a negative grade there because he did kind of get, you know, hop step there, right, off the right tackle. But at the same time, I mean, that play is designed perfect. you got, like you said, going with the lead, makes him hesitate, gets upfield, bam, the cutback, absolutely beautiful. And what you said about Bakhtiari, I didn't even focus on Bach. That knee on this play, Coach, looks pretty darn healthy, don't it? I mean, that takes a lot of athleticism to do that. Yeah, that's – I mean, that's slick. And if Buffalo thought they were onto something here, you know, by bringing that field safety blitz from number three and getting into man coverage, they thought for sure that they were going to get one man up because they thought that Green Bay was going to run back again with the Guara. So he would have to get kicked out. That should theoretically leave number 50 wide open. Um, so good job. I don't know if this was changed at the line of scrimmage to lead or if, if it was the play call, you know, those are the cool things that we'll never get to know. But when <laughs> right. you see man coverage, you got to think that somebody's probably coming. You're guessing it's the, the field side safety because of his alignment. So Buffalo thinks that they're going to blow this up in the in the back for a negative play. He's also a blitz peel guy. So if it is play action, there's nobody left to block him. So he's going to get a sack on Rodgers if it's play action. So Buffalo's thinking they're slick and thinking they're onto one here. But um, Green Bay one-upped them, and it was beautifully executed and just really well done. Absolutely. It's so cool, guys. We're t we, we talked about a play that happened, I believe, with nine minutes left in the first quarter that set this play up. 
here with 1235 left in the third quarter. And again, you know, you've seen the Packers offense start to come alive a little bit here in the second half. This is the type of stuff they were doing to really get that running game going. And kudos to Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur for sticking with the run in that situation because they began to pound the freaking rock and they said, you know what? We know the clock is our opponent now, but we're not going to get away from what they're giving us, and that's a running game. So really good stuff, dude. Um, man, we nailed it on time. I mean, we're, we're at the 53-minute mark. That, that worked out great. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I mean, you watched the game last night. We were kind of messaging back and forth in the chat. Is there anything you'd like to add to that? Because, you know, me being a Packer fan and you, you know, you have no biased opinion whatsoever, right? I'm coming away from that game and I'm going, I'm proud of this team, man. They went up against with arguably the best football team in the National Football League and they really, really held their own. But how did, what did you think of it just overall as we get ready to wrap up? Sure. Um, a couple of things on it. I mean, Buffalo only scored 27 points, right? This is a team coming in scoring, you know, 29 or whatever they were averaging a game. So it's it's not like your defense got blown up. It's not like you gave up 46 or something like that. You know, 27 points is usually if your opponent gives up 27 and, and, and you're Green Bay, your opponent scores 27, you're thinking, hey, we got a shot. You know, it's a 50-50 game. So overall, the defense was you know, not great, but it, it's not throwing the baby out with the bathwater yet either. So you got some stuff to work on there. The really exciting thing, and I know you and I went back and forth with this last night, um, just kind of texting, was, man, we finally saw a scramble drill run perf to perfection <laughs> with Torrey, man. That was their Torrey or however you say it. That was yeah. that was really good. Um, he was back and across as well as shallow, deep rules. I mean, this is a young cat who just gets it. Um, that's a, it's a tough thing to teach. Um, he put the defender on his hip, opened the right way. I mean, things that that's one of those really encouraging things where you start to see that. And it's like, OK, not only is that a good route and a good catch and good play and everything, but that's a high football IQ on that young man. Absolutely. And that's, you know, what what this Green Bay offense when it was so good, 2010 to, you know, 2018 or whenever Rodgers got hurt and then kind of started to sputter like that's what it was so predicated on was you know, the ability to play backyard football intelligently. And and we saw some of that and it was like, hey, you know, if if I'm you guys, I'm at least walking away a little bit encouraged. You know, you still want to win football games, but you're, mm -hmm. you're at least encouraged that like, hey, you might have something here coming up. Absolutely. I completely agree. And, you know, the cool thing about Torre is as we wrap up here, <clears throat> if I remember correctly, he went to a very small school, completely excelled there and then transferred to Nebraska had a great season there. He, he has had success at every level he's went to, and, and he does come across as just a smart football player. He does. And uh, I'm excited to see more of it. It's funny, man. We hadn't seen him all year. He comes in, one catch, one touchdown, does his dance, and goes back to the sidelines like, was that Torre? What just happened? And, again, on the scramble drill, it was, it was simple. He knew his route was complete. He reads the DB and goes, Hark, there's no one over there. Let me help my quarterback here. And it was and it was a laser from Rodgers. So I was very encouraged coming out of that game. Um, you know, it started off ugly, but the way that they came out and fought, LaFleur said going into halftime or coming out of halftime, he said, I just told the guys, forget the score. Let's go out here and win one play at a time and let's show some fight. And they that's exactly what they did. So um, I think it was a, a step in the right direction. And I'm excited to see what they do to build off of that as they step into uh, a game next week to go up against Detroit, man, going into Detroit. That's a high-powered offense, as silly as that sounds. I mean, I think they're fourth in the league in scoring, if I understood correctly, or maybe it was total yards. Sure. So it's going to be interesting to see what Joe Barry dials up for them. They've lost some tough games this year. So, Coach, dude, 
Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time, bro. It's always a, a blast hanging out with you. Oh, man, you know I love doing this. This is just – this was a, a great time as well. Absolutely. If the schedule permit, we'll do it again next week, pal. Love it. All right. Everybody, thank you so much for hanging out with us. If you're listening to this on the podcast form um, here on Tuesday afternoon, hope you all have a great day. Appreciate you making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go Pack Go.